You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Hello and welcome to Talk Your Jits Podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jiu-jitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith. And today's guest is a second-degree black belt who trains at College Park Mixed Martial Arts located in Beltsville, Maryland. Ladies and gentlemen, Joshua Peters. How's it going? How's it going? It is going well, sir. How are you doing this morning? All right. Sitting down and enjoying the morning. Yeah, all right. Beautiful, beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, but let's not waste no time. Let's go in and uh, if you want to formally introduce yourself again, by all means, and let's hear about uh, right. your jujitsu journey. Yes. Yeah, so uh, my name is Joshua Peters. I am the owner and head coach of College Park Mixed Martial Arts. Um, I am a second degree black belt under Randy Malakis, and yeah, retired uh, professional MMA fighter. I still actively competing in uh, grappling and jiu-jitsu and also um, still refereeing from time to time. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, I started martial arts in 1988 with um, Dennis Brown studying uh, Shaolin Kung Fu, primarily Northern style. Um, from there, I studied Taekwondo, uh, kickboxing, capoeira, and uh, a couple styles of karate before Starting Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in 2002 under uh, Roberto uh, Magilla. Oh, wow. So, a lot of martial arts history. Yeah, yeah, I've been in it now for a second. Oh, wow. And you say you've been doing Jiu Jitsu since two- 2002. 2002. So, um, so, are you a black belt in any other martial art? Yeah, I have my second degree black belt in Jiu Jitsu. Um, and, um, in the Kung Fu style, I only did that for about two and a half years. I never really ranked up in that. Um, I was only training on, um, if I was lucky, twice to three times a week. But usually it's one or two times a week. So I didn't really have time to put it in then. Um, I was taking a, like, what is that, like 12 years old. I was taking a bus, to, like an hour each way. Mm-hmm. Um, I got an instructor rank in another style, in the Vietnamese style of Kung Fu. Um that's all the stuff that I have like official rankings in. Okay. Okay. So you said you fought MMA. How long have you been? Uh, well, how long have you done that? Um, so about a year into my training, I tried to get my first fight. The first, um, two of them fell apart. Uh, first opponent, uh, pulled out like the week of the fight. The second one, it's actually a funny story. Um, it's down in Virginia beach. We both weighed in and everything. This is that one. I can't remember. It's a 125 or it was like a catch weight of 130 because I walk around 115 to 116, 116 pounds. So, you know, it was just impossible fighting fights. So he had to go up. He weighed in. Uh, we all weighed in, came to the rules meeting, all that. And then he never walked out for the fight. Um, the third fight, I thought um, this guy, Rick Mansour, he missed weight by like 17 pounds almost. Um and that was at uh, Operation Octagon, which is now known as Cavezilla. And I was fighting until um, I had my last fight at age 38, which was now six years ago. Okay. And um, oh, what I was about to ask. So, <laughs> excuse me. So what? Oh, yeah. um, so what drew you to uh, jujitsu? So. 
I mean, I got into martial arts and watching Saturday morning kung fu theater. You know, it's come on like 5.30 in the morning. I don't know how old you are, but this is like when you had to turn the dials on the television and slap it around. And on every Saturday, starting around like 5 something in the morning, you get like the old school kung fu flicks. Uh-huh. And like, that's really cool. I saw that. And then bootlegging the first um, UFC video, I was like, I kind of heard through you know, reading Black Belt Martial Art magazine and all that in Kung Fu magazine. And, you know, I saw that and I always knew that learning how to like effectively grapple is going to be part of my martial arts journey. And then I went to, I was in college for two years in Vermont before I transferred to American University. And while I was in Vermont, there was another guy there who had like a little bit of a wrestling and jujitsu background. He kind of showed me some things. And I made in my mind that when I was transferring, I uh, went to, to American University in DC that I was going to start training. Uh huh. And it just, I dove right in. I was training, like, uh, while I was studying to get my degree in education, I would generally train about 20 hours a week or so. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I didn't have a life. I was, like, doing jujitsu. I worked, and I went to school, and that was it. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. I train two three times i'm trying to push it up to four maybe five but mm -hmm. yeah about three four days a week uh just a, I don't know man it's just something about jujitsu that i just can't stay off the mats man it's addictive it, it's it's a you know it's, it's very interesting i already had like a long martial arts background before i got into it but you know so for like when you're doing like kung fu or taekwondo like all the quote-unquote special moves are always grappling if something like we just want you to do his own grabs you or this here. And now it's like, oh, this is cool. I get to do the special moves all the time. And then you realize just how deep it is. And like it it's easy to become obsessive about it. Right. It's it's very, very easy. And um, so yeah, I can ask you this question, because you, you know, you study different martial arts. So mm -hmm. what was it about jujitsu that made it so addicting for you? Um well, one, it was now doing so. I already had, like, yeah, I said, a pretty long uh, background in striking, primarily striking martial arts. And now it was a chance to do something out just, you know, uh, cognitively different. It sort of engages a different area of the brain when you're grappling as opposed to striking. And I had a pretty good group of people around me, and they're all pretty competitive, and I tend to be pretty competitive. So that sort of fed that little, um, uh, ticking me mm -hmm. and just, you know, to, to keep on going to, to just to want to always get better. Gotcha. Cause, um, I've tried traditional karate. I almost got into taekwondo. Uh, taekwondo. I've done, uh, MMA. Um, and yeah, all the, all those were like, you know, pretty cool. I did, you know, I did enjoy what I was doing them, but it's just something about jujitsu that was just like so different to me where I was like, I started training back in uh, about five years ago and stepped on the mat. So I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And I'm, tr I'm trying to remember like the, like the moment where it was like, oh snap, I can see, I, you know, I can see myself doing this for a while. Cause Every time I sit back and think about it, it's like I say, like, oh yeah, around blue belt, and then it's like, oh no, it was kind of around white belt. Oh no, it was kind of like when I first stepped on the mat. So I don't know exactly when, but 
yeah, it's just something about it that just drew me to it. I think it's just like the like the logical sense behind jujitsu. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, not to like hark on any other martial art, but I I feel like jujitsu is definitely one of the 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 martial arts that like you get out what you put in, mm-hmm. and it you know it definitely will show. No, it's you know it's it's a real interesting thing that happens that you. It's like learning any other skill, like you're learning how to do addition or you're going to learn how to read that as you start getting better at it, you it's it it's like you want to get better and you want to do it even better. You want to do it even better. And then you you start seeing all these little ins and outs. And you know, I got into jujitsu because I wanted to compete in mixed martial arts. And I knew that knowing how to grapple to some degree or another is going to be an absolute minimum. Mm-hmm. And then. You know, you also, I got to a point where I, you know, I got a little older and I don't want to get hit in the head anymore. And by then I already had my school established and it's, it gives me a chance to scratch that competitive itch and go out and like really feel what it has is a real physical confrontation with someone and, you know, not be busted up the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can definitely, um, you can step on the match and get, you know, beat up bruised but you know the next day you're ready to step back on him <clears throat> but uh it, it, i'm sorry go ahead yeah so and then what happens is you know I, I think also so much is personality dependent just as your jujitsu style i think is very dependent upon your personality and who you are that's the art in the martial artist how you express getting to an arm bar or a sweep or or a pass or a takedown or anything. And it really helps you explore inside because you become much more in touch with who you are as a person. As um, one of my friends, uh, Adisa, runs Bishop Chronicles, another interesting um, martial and philosophy-related podcast. He had a friend who said, jujitsu is dress rehearsal for death. You get to walk that line between being alive and being in a, either taking someone to a point or being taken to that point where you could the very next thing could be the end of your existence. And that forces a real moment of crystal clarity and honesty that you don't really get to have throughout the rest of your like daily life. Hmm. I never think about that like that. That's a very awesome philosophy uh, to, to think about. So I'm um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so with being a a school owner, like how like how did that come about? So that again kind of goes all the way back. So when I um got into Taekwondo and around I think my red belt stage, I had already started to teach some of the classes. And that was part of my training. And my grandmother, who was a elementary school teacher, she taught kindergarten for 29 years in the Bronx, and would sometimes come and watch, and she told me I'd be a teacher one day. And I thought she was out of her mind. I thought I'd be an astronaut until, um, well, my math skills said otherwise. (laughs) And I eventually got into education. But while I was, even while while I was studying education about, maybe it was probably about a month or two in to just starting jujitsu, my first instructor didn't have classes on Thursdays because he was renting out of um, a fitness uh, uh, establishment. Uh huh. So I went back to my old Taekwondo place and they would let me starting around like 8 30, 9 p.m. Just, you know, I had a little section of the mats there. My, me and my friend 
I'm Nick Robinson, who runs Beltway Martial Arts now. We just get together and train. And then eventually some people are like, hey, what are you guys doing? And we basically just kind of teach whatever we were being taught that day because, you know, we were white belts and then eventually blue belts. We really didn't know anything. And then that grew more and more and more until eventually we'd have like 30, you know, sometimes 30 or 40 people coming to join us. And we realized, hey, this, this could be a thing. And we started traveling as a group and we made our original school, Capital Punishment MMA, sort of as a, a feeder program for our first instructor. We're like, you know, listen, you know, we can show you what we're being shown, but you really want to learn. This is where you need to go. And mm-hmm. um, it grew and it grew and it grew. And it, I would start running classes there. Um, we would both be running the classes. We started around eight, between eight and 9 p.m. We generally train till midnight. And we realized like, hey man, we have a thing here. And that eventually led to me wanting to get my own location. I got my uh, fr- first brick and mortar location. Oh God, it'd be almost seven or eight years ago. And I was then at that point already about 13 years deep into being a classroom teacher. And eventually I just got burnt out on um, being a classroom teacher of all the stuff that comes along with it. I still love the classroom, but all the politics and everything outside of that was really big and aware and tear on me. And I decided, you know, let me go all in and and try this while you know while I'm relatively younger. Uh-huh. And now, you know, almost 2023, and here we are. I have a really nice solid base of students. I've gotten uh, one of my fighters in the Bellator. I've had another one who's competed all over the United States and produced um, one of my um, women, Charlene Dixon, is I think she's the number two ranked person in no gi at her age and weight, and she's also in the top five in gi at her age and weight. That's amazing. Uh, brown belt. That's phenomenal. Yeah, so, you know, just, and I got very lucky with the, you know, so if you, this is a, maybe a side point, but if you go to a school, of course you want to pay attention to the instructor, but you're not going to be spending most of your time with the instructor. Just, mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be spending with the other students. And, you know, pay attention to those students and what they do and how they act and all that. And I was very lucky to attract the students that are part of the DNA of this school. Like uh, uh, 90% of my success is due to the people that go to this school that signed up and have truly made it what it is. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. sorry, there's some popping. My, um, I, I have two little dogs and sometimes they get excited and one of them like almost ripped apart the, the cord jumping around in my lap. Oh no. <laughs> but you know, but that's, but that's very awesome. Cause, um, yeah, so like at my school, um, we are you know we're a fairly small school, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm one of the assistant instructor instructors there, and um, me and I had I did an I did a episode with my instructor uh, maybe like a few weeks ago, and but we've always talked about that uh, like the future of the school, and he was like you know he always saw my like saw me like teaching you know teaching at my own school. And it's one thing to like teach a class, like you know, I, I'll I'll do the kids class the majority mm-hmm. of the time, and then you know I'll do the our adults class, and um I've been bouncing up uh the idea of having like a Saturday class, but not exactly sure what. 
but I don't know. I think it's it just feels weird to just to think of like you're gonna be responsible for a whole entire school. Oh, it's you know, and anyone who doesn't feel like that, I don't think needs to be in teaching. Uh huh. You you I I th- I really think you need to start every day and end every day in gratitude for the people that are willing to pay you their hard earned money to come and teach you a skill, and they're trusting that you're gonna give your best. You know, that's, it's, it's, uh, it's both an honor and a privilege to do that because they can go anywhere. Yeah. You know, I guess speaking, they're choosing to come to you. Yep. I mean, cause you, you kind of almost, well, I know kind of almost you, you have to treat it like it's a business because you have these people who, you know, is taking time out of their day, their week and their, you know, busy schedules to come learn something from you and, you know, like, yeah, you have to show that gratitude. You have to, you know, you need them more than they need you in a sense when it comes to like, you know, owning and operating a school. Absolutely. You know, uh, Outcast has this, um, great, there's, um, this great line in uh, one of their songs. He goes, if you don't move your feet, then we don't eat. So it's like we're neck and neck. Yep. And it's like that. If it, and also, anyone's ever filed taxes as a business understands it is a business and it's your responsibility not just to deliver instruction to the best of your ability but to create an environment that's conducive to learning and a culture of fostering cooperation and i think a healthy competitive atmosphere that pushes everyone to get better right right so what would I guess what would be your like your school philosophy? I I guess I can say. Um. So I have my background in education. One of the things you learn there, like, it's kind of crazy. So some of those important lessons I learned, I learned in the first week of teaching, and my first week in classes. And one of the first things, the very first class I had at AU that was inside my major was a methods class, uh, in classroom management. And the first thing the guy started out after he you know, we introduced ourselves and all that, he goes, if you are arriving on time, you are late. And if you are late, that is unacceptable. You cannot get there when the kids get there. You have got to come prepared and not wing it. You've got to have a plan. You either have a plan or you can plan to fail that day. And so I have a curriculum with that's um, in detail written out from the white to blue and blue to purple. And, and it's a living curriculum. I don't believe in having a Bible. A Bible is something that's a historical document of how a religion should operate. And I don't, I think what makes jujitsu different than say Taekwondo, Taekwondo is a very set correct, you know, a very set of moves and it's really hasn't changed much outside of some of the athletic aspects of it in the last 60 years. Except mm-hmm. maybe for the worst, depending on who you talk about, because of how um, Olympic scoring has changed it. Whereas jujitsu, like, I mean, honest, a black belt today is about the equivalent of a very competitive purple belt coming up now, and that about every five to ten years, that's what happens. Like, it, the 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 level of jujitsu has skyrocketed in an exceptionally short time. So yeah. you have to have a a framework of teaching, not just what you're going to teach, but how you're going to teach. And that needs to stay evolving. And you should know, I'm a firm believer, like you should know what you need to do. Mm -hmm. So the 
my school is based on, I wouldn't want to call it a pure Socratic method, but a lot of discussion and a lot of ownership. My students are encouraged to ask questions and to take ownership of their practice. There's going to be what I teach that day, that week, that month, that's within the, you know, the, the month and the week curriculum. But after a certain amount of time, and once the student feels they're starting to get some of the basics, they're very highly encouraged to really take ownership of their practice and ask a lot of questions. What should I be working on here? How does this work? When do I do this move? And that's the culture of the school is to really be exploratory in how they approach it because that leads to a deep understanding. It's, and then, so then after they get their blue belt and they're ready for, and they get their purple belt, after that, then I sit down and have a talk with each student and we plot out what their path's going to be. Are they a competitor? Are they, um, I don't like the word hobbyist because some of these people train just as much as my professional fighters, but are they, are they looking just to be lifelong martial artists? Are they looking to be competitive jujitsu people? Are they looking to be fighters? What is it that they're looking to do? And we plot their martial arts journey together through that. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's uh funny that you that you mentioned that because um since we were talking about like, you know, old Kung Fu movies, um, I was explaining to a couple of the uh guys at the gym uh, about this movie called Five Daily Venoms. Oh yes. So I was, you know, explaining to them, like, I want to develop something of the sort. Nothing to be like, um, so basically what I was getting at was, uh, you know, we sit down, we, you know, we, we, we go over everything that you do in your roles and we, mm -hmm. and we teach you how to defeat it mm. that way, you know, it, you know, it it just be it just, just to be mindful of what you do, and not get caught up in this loop of like you know, of just kind of running into the same thing. Because especially when you're, you know, you're training with the same person every day, mm -hmm. you're going to you're going to learn their game. You're going to learn how they move. You're going to learn how to react. You you know, all that stuff would just start to to show itself in in time. And one mm -hmm. thing that I've been learning from my instructor um is like you know we had a we had a like a a role one day and i got mopped you know utterly destroyed mm -hmm. and you know he was like you know yeah you, do, you know you did pretty good and i'm like no <laughs> i didn't but <laughs> anyway so he was like yeah you know he said the reason why you know i was able to shut down your game is because i know your game so it's yeah. like so it's like a you know it was like a aha moment and you know a light bulb went off it was like well you know it's definitely humbling to hear something like that. Um, but at the same time, he did the same thing for me. It's like, he, you know, he showed me where my weaknesses was and we spent like an hour um, just breaking down that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's what made me think about it. I was like, oh, that's like that, you know, like that Kung Fu movie, Five Deadly Venoms. Yeah. <gasps> so I'm so happy you mentioned Kung Fu movies because I'm like, because when I said that in class, everybody was like, no, I don't think I've seen that. I'm like, uh, what? Shame on yeah, you. <laughs> I mean, though it's very interesting. Like those old kung fu movies, a lot of them really revolved around a teaching and exploration process, right? Yeah. The guy goes, he gets his butt whipped. He has to go train. There's and there's almost always some sort of training aspect where they 
there's an acknowledgement that you've got to get better. Yep. If you're going to go defeat your demons or whatever it is. Yep. So just to give like a little like context of what the movie we're referring to for people who don't know, and you should watch it. Um, basically, it was about this movie. Uh, this movie about this uh, this martial arts master who made so much money off of this this style, and he was dying. And there was this big treasure that uh, I, I guess you want to say it was lost. So mm-hmm. his last student yeah. that he was teaching, he was teaching him a specific style, but he also taught him how to break down the other members fighting styles but you know obviously he needed you know he had to get help to do so but that's you know that's not you know to do the hero there but the fact of the matter is he taught his student how to like i said break down the other styles and help them defeat the others so mm-hmm. that's where you know that's kind of how my philosophy when it comes to teaching like i love rolling i love i like having hard roles no matter who the belt belt rank is if you're white blue you know purple brown black i don't care and once we roll, if I get tapped, I get tapped. If I don't, I don't. But mm-hmm. I'm always, you know, I'm always finding teachable moments while we're rolling. Like, for example, one of our blue belts, you know, phenomenal guy. Um, You know, every time we roll, I always tell him, like, dude, you know, I can see the gears turning when it comes to the way you move, the way you try to, you know, you go for your attacks. But it always seems like when you get to the cusp of the submission, you hesitate. And then like you, like you, he like he, for example, we was rolling, he had top mount and he was going for an arm bar. No, I was in, no, he had me in technical mount and he was going for an arm bar. And I was like, okay, let me see how he's going to finish this. And he goes for the arm bar, but he freezes. Mm. And then I'm like, okay. So I was like, you know, I just kind of moved around a little bit to see what he was going to do. Then he tried to adjust himself. Like he took like two steps back and then tried to jump back into the arm bar. But obviously at that point I was able to counter it. So I was telling him, like, dude, like, go for it. Like, you had it locked in. You had it, you know, your your form was proper. Uh, you had the proper grip on the arm. If you would have just fell back and did your arm bar, you would have had it. But he was like, mm-hmm. man, I was just thinking about this and this and this and that. And I was just trying to think of, like, you know, it, what would you do if you was to counter it? I was like, don't think about my game. Focus mm-hmm. on your game. Like your, Like, my game is to make you break your game. And vice versa. Like, don't, yep. I'm not. I'm not worrying about. Okay, if I do this, will he do this or will he do that? Like, no. I need for you to just screw up everything you were thinking about and just bend to my will. That, and you know, that's what Randy Couture said in all the interviews. Fighting is about imposing your will. Yeah, it's not about any. Like, it's not about punching or kicking or anything. You just got to make the person do what you want to do and not let them do what they want to do. Yeah, I mean, it's a real. Akram's razor, but it is. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's very it's very crazy and uh, very very technical like that when it comes to jujitsu. From what I've seen, um, just even recently, like you know, watching Gordon Ryan's of uh, uh, super fights, uh, watching ADCC, uh, and then watching some um, just random local in-house tournaments I found on YouTube these last couple weeks. And, you know, just watching people really, really roll. And I guess you want to say like in a brown belt mindset, because mm-hmm. um, I've watched so many different uh, um, jujitsu uh, or grappling matches as a white belt, you know, first get into it, you know, as a blue belt, purple and now brown. And each time I watch these matches, 
there's like a specific few that I've watched at each belt rank, and every single time I've watched it, I've always noticed something different. And it was like, oh shit, I didn't even realize that the first time. Or like, um, yeah, like we were saying, like, you know, you just opposing, you know, you're opposing your will on someone just to be able to like, I don't want to say like demoralize them, but it is a little bit demoralizing when it's like, yeah. you feel like you get that app, like you feel absolutely helpless, like being trapped under someone. And it's like, no matter yeah, you're what, drowning, like yeah, no like, matter what you're doing. Yeah. It, <clears throat> so I did Capoeira for about two and a half years under Cobra Mansa. Um, he was a, he was a teacher or run a club at um, GW, uh-huh. George Washington University. And he once said, all warfare is trickery. Yep. And it's true. Like you get down, you feel like sometimes like you get swept or, you know, any effective offense is mounted on you. It almost sounds like you got suckered. Like, God damn it. I, I, I knew I shouldn't have played that three card Monty with someone. Yeah. Like, and, and almost like it, as you get better, at least for me, it was like I, I'd watch myself getting caught and be like, God damn it. I know this is about to happen. And I'm in such a bad position. I can't do much to stop it. I just got to react and try to fight out of it. Yeah. And, and my instructor is cynical for that because, you know, he'll set up a sweep and it'd be like, it'd be, it'd be so weird because you know, the sweep is coming, but it's just like, you can't stop it and he just goes so slow with it and it's like oh yeah this is crazy <laughs> it, 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 it's 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 not especially like so like there's always been a couple experiences that will stand out like so when i was i can't remember if i was a, a purple or a blue belt and this is 17 18 years ago and marcelo garcia came down for a seminar then he rolled with everyone uh-huh and I watched people like actually try to go after him. And he would just obliterate them. And I rolling with him and he caught me in his guillotine choke. And it didn't feel like anything. Like it, it really wasn't a lot of pressure on my neck. Then all of a sudden I started blacking out. I'm like, what in the hell? Like <laughs> what sort of like voodoo magic is this? And his technique was just so perfect. And then like we restart, I'm in top inside of his guard. I'm working to pass. And he kind of twitched his hips and I went flying. He's like, oh, I can feel that your balance was a little off. I'm like, what? Yeah. It was it was unreal. And then another, um, I used to be under a, a different instructor whose lineage also coincides with Roberto Travin, who was on um, he got to be number two in the UFC heavyweight. He was still competitive in jiu-jitsu, like he's um, ADCC champ, I mean JJF though, everything in, in grappling. And he rolled with 10 of us black belts back to back 10 minute rounds without stopping. And he's was easily 10 years older than everyone else he was rolling with. Uh-huh. And he's breathing didn't change no matter how fast or slow he was going, no matter what he was doing, or whether he was still or he's transitioning or attacking, he just kept breathing the same. And he just hit his energy level at the beginning. And then, like, almost two hours later, was the same. So, then, like, his ability for energy management was just, it, it was like, it was like, it was like watching, like, a Star Wars Sith Lord or something. <laughs> and then experiencing it. Um, and then, like, I was at a couple of years ago, a Bruno Malfacini seminar. And then we all, he rolls with all the black belts at the end. Does to everyone exactly what he showed in the way he showed it 
And it's like, God damn it. We know exactly what he's going to do. And he was just at such a high level and you just couldn't stop it. Yeah. And then you get to see what these levels of mastery and, um, even um, I had a match with Christian Woodmancy with one of the best rooster weight in the world. And he eventually caught me like we had a really competitive match. So the very end where once he got a little bit ahead, his slight like his level of mastery was just enough to make me fall behind. And he caught me in an arm bar. Yep. Like it was it was kind of cool to see that because, you know, he wasn't like he was that much bigger. Like I think it was like five pounds bigger than me or whatever for our match. Nothing that that really makes a difference. And just to see how he's able to counter what a lot of times my very effective offense and defense was and him catching me. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but and that's what makes it cool. And then, like, you know, after all these, I'd always add, like, anyone who's ever beaten me, I'd always try to talk to them and be like, all right, how would you do that? You know, my, my first experience with that was at White Belt. I got caught in this Americana that almost broke my elbow. I mean, it messed my arm up bad. It was against this catch wrestling dude. And I'm sitting there, like, wincing in pain. I was like, dude, you have to show me how you did that Americana. That changed my game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely that same way. Um, I I love, I love, love, love competitive roles. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's always a learning, a learning experience that you get from being tapped. Mm-hmm. And, um... You know, going back to what you were saying about that, you know, that that controlling, you know, that uh, that control your breathing and whatnot. I had a a role with the white belt. Um, uh, I think it's like a couple weeks ago. And I think we rolled maybe like three, four, like maybe like two or three times. And mm-hmm. I'm just I'm chilling. I'm you know, I'm good. You know, he's like working hard and, you know, he's going for everything under the sun. I'm just just coasting along. And we, like I said, we, we rode about two, three times and he's just sitting there like he's drenched in sweat. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's working breathe, his ass off. He's breathing hard. He's like, you know, he's sucking in air. And he's like, dude, like, you, man, wh- what's going on? I'm like, was you done? He's like, man, we just, we just rode like three times. I'm like, all right. Anybody else want to roll? And I'm just yep. sitting here just like cool, like nobody else wanna roll. And everyone's like breathing hard and well obviously like the you no know, the the lower belts are breathing hard, but I'm sitting there like, all right, I mean I can still go. <laughs> so. Right. And that's when you begin to see the effectiveness of technique. Yeah. Like these guys are just pounding, pounding, pounding. Like I've gotten some crazy, like like I have a couple white belts rolls, so we're very good wrestlers. And it was like, damn, like Yo, when we're wrestling, we're standing up. They're so much better than me. I'm busting my ass just not to get hurt. And then you see it hits the ground, and I can just kind of play with someone. You know, I remember I had this experience before. Um, it would still were capital punishment. Uh, this we had this huge Russian dude come in who had like a like he claimed he had like a little bit of samba or whatever, and he starts literally at one point picks me up like a video game and throws me into a wall. I'm oh like, no. What the fuck, dude? I'm like, like, what the hell? And he does. I'm like, dude, like, you got to calm down. Like, we're just training here. Because he's doing this because every time I get to a position or submission, I kind of let go. Yeah. And I told him, like, dude, I'm going to have to defend myself. And I'm half your size. Like, literally, this guy was like 200 pounds. And I can't do that by pinning you. And eventually, I had, like, I let him work. And I got to his neck. And I started choking him and he's not tapping and I start pulling his neck and he finally like yells and I'm like 
just that. Yeah. And then the same thing happened a few weeks later in class. I'm with this guy. He's tossing me around. And I like get I would get him in an arm bar release. Get him an arm bar release. The arm bar became actually the first submission I ever got. Um and that's a funny story on that. I almost I mean, as it's funny now, I almost broke the guy's arm because my first three months in jujitsu, all I did was get the crap beat out of me. Mm-hmm. Like I got I I I got the the, the ever living hell beat out of my ass. And then I got this arm bar, and all my other submissions before this point were people kind of like, I'd get, you know, like 80% of the position. They'd coach me through it so I knew what to do. And I'm cranking on this arm bar, and I couldn't even hear him yelling, tap, as he's tapping on me. I'm like, because I just was expecting to fail. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, oh man, this really works. And yeah. I was, and then I began to found, oh, I can relax a bit more. And then I, you know, I learned how to recover guard and get out of side control. And not feel like my chest was going to get broken every match. And then you're like, oh, you relax a little bit. And it gets a bit more fun. And you you begin to develop your style, right? You Your personality begins to manifest through how you do it. Definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. It's, um, it's been a tremendous leap from purple to brown belt when it came to, like, um my understanding of jujitsu um my understanding of my own game and you know just being able to figure out stuff is i'm still a little late on you know on like fixing stuff but you know when do you ever stop learning uh jujitsu and when you die yeah exactly right (laughs) even then we still don't know (laughs) yeah exactly who knows who knows right because um i was uh talk to my you know my instructor because me and him work together so we actually talk mm-hmm. a lot um but yeah we, we were just going over stuff about class and um and i was just telling him like man it's just it just seems so crazy now how i can roll with somebody and i'm you know steady picking my own game apart like man i could have caught him in this earlier i should have did this i should have did that and blah 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 and i'll start you know once again starting to get into my own head start doubting myself and he was like you know he just asked me he's like let me ask you a question he was like you know you've been doing this for five years i've been doing this for 10 plus um you know because he's about to you know he's he's getting his um a second degree uh next Mm -hmm. year oh congratulations yeah so he's like you know he said do you know when i stopped learning jujitsu I was like, I don't know. He's like, I didn't. He said, even as a black belt, I'm still learning. I'm still fixing holes in my game. I'm still developing my game. Even at, you know, at, at my current rank and position, I'm still developing my own, you know, still developing stuff. And he's like, yeah, I mean, and would you want to even train with someone who's not like who thinks that black, for me, black belt felt like a reset, like man, like which I, I viewed it. Very similar to actually getting my black belt in Taekwondo. Black belt in Taekwondo takes four years, three okay. to four years, maybe at least back when I was doing it. And it was understood that you're not really a master of anything. You just now have learned the basics and it's time for you to now, now your real training starts because you know enough to train. And that was like, I felt like when I got the black belt, finally, it was like, man, now I, now like the real work has to begin again. There has to be an emptying of the cup and a refilling it. Isn't that wild when you think about it? It's 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 nuts. And <laughs> I 
it, it, it's a little humbling. So like one of my very first roles, uh, there was a guy that was part of the uh, an affiliation I was part of, Gilson Nunes, who's like, I think he's ranked like third in the world, an adult black belt at like 130 something. And he didn't even bother taking his glasses off like when he rolled with me. And I'm looking at his black belt and I'm looking at my black belt. I'm like, yeah, we're doing two completely different sports. Like, he's got it. It felt like, like, like Luke when he was trying to spar Yoda. Uh huh. And he, it was just like, man, there's just so much more to know and to be able to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, uh, yeah, so that's, you know, that's one of the things my instructor always say, like, you know, once you get the black belt, that's when jujitsu starts. And it's like, how is that even possible? Like you, you know, you devote so much time to this, this craft, this sport, this martial art, this, this philosophy, this life changing thing. If you want, you know, if you want to take it that far and you think you're doing this for, you know, five, six, 10 plus years, you know, then you get your black belt and then you hear that's when jujitsu starts. Yep. So it's like, what the hell I've been doing since then? <laughs> well, yeah. You know, so this is interesting. <clears throat> Oh God! This was now about uh, almost. I'm like seven years. So this has been about eight years ago, seven eight years ago, right around the time I got my black belt. I was um inside. I was uh, visiting my parents, and I'm inside my dad's study. My dad had his has his PhD in physics, and I'm looking around his, and he still has like a lot of his undergrad and his graduate and his doctoral books there. All his undergrad and graduate books were like, first it was this one and one, then it was advanced, say, ad advanced calculus, um, advanced Newtonian motion, uh, advanced uh, thermodynamics. Then I looked at all of his doctorate books. All of them said fundamentals of or intro to. And that really set a light off. All the advanced stuff, all the Barambolo and K-Guard and all this other stuff, all those are, are advanced expressions of a deep understanding of fundamentals. Because it's understanding the fundamental of the universe, fundamental nature of the universe that allows us to understand it and comprehend it. Mm -hmm. And it's those fundamental knowledge of human movement and anatomy and kinesiology that allows us to understand jujitsu because ultimately it is the understanding of human motion yeah but i i yeah so i yeah you know not thinking about that it, you know it makes it makes a lot of sense because um yeah so like when you're when you're looking at jujitsu through i guess you want to say experienced eyes excuse me you know, you started to you you see a lot of stuff. You see stuff a lot different. Like you know, oh, yeah. you know, like um, I, for a prime example, I um, you know, my instructor can be going over a technique, and everyone's around like you know, just like in ooh and ah of seeing something. And I'm just kind of like, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I've seen that before, and I'll have a moment where I'm working a technique with someone, and just say, for example, they fall different than you know what the uki did during the you know demonstration and it's like oh snap there's something else here 
Mm-hmm. He's like, wait, 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 come back, come back, come back. Let me try something. And it's just like you know, it's it's yeah, it, it's constantly evolving, it's constantly changing, constantly evolving, and I don't really see any other martial art that evolves as rapid as jujitsu does. There hasn't, and I mean, part of that, thankfully, due to the ev- the well, not not evolution, but the development of like more open rule sets. Like you had to develop like submission only, which first people, to my knowledge, actually do that was U.S. grappling, which is now unfortunately defunct. But they had true submission, unlimited time matches, and so that requires a different pace. Like I had a match under that, um, that was fifty-eight minutes long. Ooh, God! Um, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, me, um, Jimmy Sarah, an ex- exceptionally talented grappler, wrestler, and fighter. I believe he's he's back in um the PA area now. We went out and eventually ended up getting me catching me with a face crank at the end of the back, and I was just like too tired to defend it. He was able to wear me out by being a little bit better at stuff, and which is you know that, those matches require a different pace and a different rhythm. And then you have like ADCC, which is a little bit different. You have the EBI rule set, which is a little bit different. You have you know all these different ways of approaching it, and that. Forces, if you're going to be a jiu-jitsu competitor, you really have to be able to compete under a bunch of different rules. It's like kind of a little different than judo, which rules changes have been one of the biggest catalysts in um, its uh, evolution. Where, you know, the um, uh, Kodokan will say when they banned leg grabs, when they put restrictions on grips. And jiu-jitsu doesn't have much of that. So the development in jiu-jitsu comes as things are developed within the rule set because you know almost all this comes down to game theory and how you game for it and like i won one match at um ibjjf pans with a knee bar at blue belt you can't do that now and that you know so how these things change and evolve i mean and that's one that i think the best aspects of jiu-jitsu is that it's not a it's it's not a tomb of knowledge it's a it's a living breathing organism that continues to evolve yeah, you know, it's a, you know, like I was saying earlier, you know, and the, the the level of people just explodes. Like I got some blue and purple belts, man. I like I just put a stripe on one of my blue belts, and I'm like, I can't stand running, I can't stand rolling with you anymore. You just kick the crap out of me now. <laughs> like his brain is just working at a, such a faster pace than mine is at this point. It's like, damn. Like, how do you counter that? The and. Well, and that becomes what's what becomes interesting. It's like he's stronger, he is younger, he is faster, like he is so how can I first sometimes I also don't look how like not how am I gonna beat it or counter it, how am I gonna survive it? <laughs> you know, that's what Helio was doing. Even until like two weeks before he passed away, he's like he would just try to defend everything, just try to stay safe and not die. Mm-hmm. Cause I And you know that's yeah, I think about that too uh, sometimes when it comes to being an, like an instructor, like you know, running a school, and it's like you're you're teaching, you know, you're teaching all these uh, these new faces jujitsu, and then you got this one guy that comes along and it's trying to that's that's a you know lower belt that's just like giving you hell. Yep. And it's like, man, I, this like what? Like this this not should be this way. Well, you know, 
it's like, so I always say self-defense training is training with the spazzy white belts because they're going to do some crazy shit that you did not expect. And then it's, it's remembering not to be married to techniques. That's what I, so I got rid of um, um, calling any classes beginners classes. I have fundamental classes and advanced classes. And I'll tell people a lot of times the, the fundamentals class is going to be more mentally challenging than the advanced class. The advanced class is just going to be more physically challenging because we move at a higher pace. But you go from saying, you you learn like as a white belt, right? This is an arm bar. It's getting a, a this is how you get to arm bar from guard, right? You, you isolate the arm, you put the foot on the hip, you pivot off, you make your angle, you know, throw the leg over the head and and uh, start to move the, the lever, your hips, right? Mm -hmm. Then you say, well, Cool. You can do that a couple of times. You learn what an armbar is, what it's like to finish it, what it's like to get caught in it. Then you say, well, what is an armbar? Armbar is anytime you have a block or a wedge underneath someone's elbow and their elbow is isolated to some degree from their body and you can pull on it. Right? Right. So then you go from like saying, this is what an armbar is to this is what an armbar looks like and learning how to apply that in more varied ways. Yeah. And that's kind of like, what that evolves into is you should become like, well, damn, how am I, you know, this person fell differently as you're saying, well, why they fall that way? How do I have to account for that? Which is, I mean, that's the fascinating part of the journey because it's, it's never going to stop. Never, 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 never. And it also, you know, yeah. It also keeps you on your toes when you have those, um, yeah, like I said, those spastic, those spastic white belts, um, or you get those people who are very, very knowledge hungry. Cause mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah, you can show an arm bar and it's like, okay, what if their arms are too long or what if their arm, their shoulders are too wide? What if they're too big? What if they're too small? And it's like, all right, so let's, let's, let's break that down. You know, you still have to have your, you know, your focal point, um, of, you know, you have to block the elbow. You have to, you know, look for this, look for that. You know, you still have your basic mechanics of an arm bar it's just mm -hmm. you have to have, you know you just have to find that slight variations think of it like a car every car yep. has you know the same thing it has tires it has motors it has an engine it has battery have yada 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 abc basic you know basic fundamentals of a car but all the yep. cars are to build different you have bigger cars you have smaller cars you have cars built for off-roading you have cars that are built for this cars built for that but when you break it down to the the basics it's all the same it's right. It's a, you point in the direction you want. One pedal makes you go forward. The other pedal stops you from going forward. And how do you best operate it? That's all like, I can't stand car racing. I'm watching people go in circles with the hope that you see some spectacularly violent um, and potentially fatal accident isn't necessarily appealing to me, but you see, they all have the same stuff pretty much. Right. They have all these, you know, there there's, there's, uh, uh, now, please don't get angry at me, I guess, in Formula F1 or, or whatever. I mean, they have specifications down to the ounce of how much things can weigh and where things go. And yet someone's going to win. Yeah. When almost all the equipment is almost exactly the same as how they drive that equipment, right? We roll, even assuming, let's assume we all know exactly the same moves. You might have just that one way of executing that move or implementing that move that makes the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, is, and there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's what makes it awesome. It's yeah. because 
you know, like I said, I can learn from it. You can roll with a white belt and have 25 years of jujitsu under your belt and they can teach you something. You know, they might just do something that maybe because you got so indoctrinated in your own dogma and you become a little less plastic in your thinking that you're like, oh, crap. That works. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And like one thing I love about it is, um, you know, like when we like, for example, we were going over um, just an arm lock series from Psy, you know, Americana, spiral lock, straight arm lock, uh, Kimura, stuff like that. And one of the um, one of the, one of the, our, our classmates, he he's a young guy. I think he's like 17 or 18. So his arms are very, very like he's very, very like I don't say he's double jointed, but, he, you know, he, mm-hmm. he got those young ligaments and and stuff in his shoulders. So, so yeah, he doesn't have all the injuries. Yeah, he don't have yeah. all the in, in, uh, injuries and stiffness of everything. So like I, I, I kind of like look over and I see like the one guy, he's like cranking it. He's I mean, he's cranking it almost turned like back to stomach. Uh, how hard Damn. he was turning his arm bar. I mean, it's um, this um, Kimura. And he's like, man, I can't. I, he just won't tap. And I'm like, OK, let me see. So, you know, I put him in the uh, Kimura and I went for it. And I was like, oh, OK. So I had to make that little small adjustment. He was like, what did you do? I was like, well, for this guy, you know, he's he's very, very mm-hmm. limber. So, uh, you know, uh, a traditional Kimura might not necessarily work. So I had to literally turn him on his side and finish the arm, you know, finish the Kimura. I was like, sometimes you just you just have to, you know. Yeah, you just have to make those adjustments. But, yep. you know, that's another that's another story. It's another time. Mostly <laughs> knowing the right tool for the right time. Right. Yeah. A wrench, a hammer, uh, a pickaxe are all excellent tools. Yep. But I don't necessarily use a pickaxe when I'm changing a tire. I'm not necessarily using a, a hammer when I'm trying to tighten a bolt. Right. right? So that's, that's, it's like, right. So you have to use the right thing at the right time and use it appropriately. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, all that stuff, you know, all that stuff comes with time. Um, the more and more you put time into jujitsu, uh, jiu-jitsu, the more, the more you figure out this type of stuff. No, absolutely. And then, and then, you know, they have experiences like, you know, five, 10 years down the road, you're like, Oh man, maybe I figured this out a little wrong or, it's changed. The game's a little different. Here's another way of doing it. You know, it's that's that's for me what makes the martial arts journey so rewarding is that learning and unlearning, right? Yep. All the the Bruce Lee, there is no technique. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, man. If you got any other questions for me, um, you know, I definitely want you to shout out uh, your school. If you got anything coming up, any events, any competitions or anything like that, man, you know, the floor is all yours. Okay, absolutely. Well, the first, thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure um, talking martial arts this morning. I'm actually about to go um, run my kids' class, and then I'm running a two-hour question and answer fundraiser for Tap Cancer Out, which is oh, one wow. of the charities I've been involved with. Um, I'll, I'll send you um, a link. To my thing, I'm asking for um, donations, and you can come and ask any martial art-related um, question, and I'll try to demonstrate or answer that. Um, you can also ask something else. I just can't guarantee I'll have anything to say for that that I don't make up. Um, <laughs> that's me today from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Um, that's the biggest thing 
um, coming up. Uh, yeah, if you are involved, Tap Cancer Art is an absolute fantastic charity. Um, certainly 90 cents on the dollar goes in back into the charity and to what they say that they do. So they're, you know, real honest, really good people. Um, outside of that, you know, just getting ready. Uh, I have a, one of my guys, Jamal Johnson, has a fight at NFC on January 20th. So we're you know, getting him ready for that. I have another guy doing a smoker a little bit later today. And um, if you're in a DMV area, Cagezilla is tonight in uh, Manassas. It's one of the best regional pro-am shows that you can go to. They even have their own building, which is very unusual for a, a martial arts promotion. Absolutely fan. You know, they, they really do just – Jeff Wilde runs a ridiculously good show. So um, check them out. You can – Hit me up at um, collegeparkmma.com. Um, Josh CP MMA on Instagram. I'm available to do seminars. I'm, I'm cheap, but I don't charge enough money. I do take out in blood and sweat. I don't like to teach for anything less than three hours. You know, if, I, if I'm going to go, we're going to go. We're going we're gonna to make it worth it. So um, you can get at me if you're um, interested in having me out and getting a, a very small guy's perspective on martial arts. Definitely, man. And I, I wish you all the best. And um, yeah, man. Uh, tap, you know, tap. You know, real quick. Tap cancer out was one of the first tournaments that I've done. Um, very, very awesome organization. Uh, I definitely stand behind it and wish them all the best. And you know, and I wish you the best with your 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 lecture today. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. So, if you're interested, I'll be posting the Zoom link. Um, I'll put it up on on Facebook. I'll send it to you if you want to share it out. And then, yeah, hopefully, um, so hopefully. If you're listening, we get the train together. Um, yeah, I love meeting people. Love, love getting out there and and seeing and seeing this 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 awesome world of of uh, brotherhood that we have in jujitsu. And I couldn't I could not agree more. And uh, that's the end of today's episode. I would like to thank my guest Joshua again for coming on and uh, sharing his experience and tales with us. I hope you guys gained something from it. Um, please go and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages to stay up to date on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Jits Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jujitsu. Have a great day.